Someone's name, you should think of their nature, who they are, how they are. And when Jesus says, Whatever you pray in my name, it's not like, Lord, give me my favorite car and let the Seahawks win the Super Bowl for the next 20 years in Jesus' name, boom, it's done. The idea is, Whatever you pray that is in accordance with who I am and what I desire in the world, it's about praying along with the nature of God. If you love someone, you don't want to hurt them. As you'll hear today, part of loving God means not wanting to break His heart. The first step to doing that is by obeying His commands. As Pastor Daniel explains, none of us are completely obedient. So what does that mean for believers? His commandments aren't burdensome. And through Him, we can hear Him and respond. We are growing, and we fall sometimes, and we seek forgiveness. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, I Am the Way, the Truth, and the Life. Look what he says in verse 10. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Do you believe that, my friends? Do you believe that Jesus is God with skin on? Notice what he says. The words, this is in the middle of verse 10, that I speak to you. I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. I mean, Jesus is not messing around here. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. He's like, look, if you don't believe that I and my Father are one, if you don't believe that I'm God with skin on, then at least look at what I'm doing. Look at who I am, how I'm living. Look at all these things that I'm doing. That means something. See, the fruit of the life of Jesus teaches us who he is. We saw Jesus raise the dead. We see Jesus healing all sorts of people. We see Jesus schooling religious scholars with profound biblical insight. Everything about his life testifies of who he is. So Jesus can say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life because he's saying, I'm God with skin on. Now, look at what happens from there. Because now he starts to include his disciples into the mix and something very profound happens. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, but most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, verse 15, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. (laughs) Now, 
I'm going to take this whole section again and I'm going to break it down. What this teaches us is that the Spirit brings greater works. The Spirit brings greater works. Now, verse 12 is powerful for us. It's powerful for us. Because he says, most assuredly I say to you. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says, most assuredly I say to you? He means listen up, right? Every time we see that, Jesus is saying, focus. I'm going to tell you something important. He says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a crazy statement, isn't it? He says, listen, if you believe in me, the works that I'm going to do that testify that I'm God with skin on, you're going to do them also, and greater works than these will you do. Now, when was the last time you thought about your own life that I'm going to do greater works than Jesus? Anybody? No. Well, you should, because that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said that we're going to do greater works, and now he says it's going to happen through prayer, and ultimately it's going to happen through the Holy Spirit. This is why I say the Spirit brings greater works. Because he goes on to say, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. See, these works that we're going to do, they come from the Holy Spirit who is going to dwell in us just the way Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus. The Father and Jesus indwell us through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to read down a little bit. Look at verses 25 and 26 right here in, in John 14. It says, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So the Spirit brings greater works through a couple of means. First, he is the Spirit of truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. And now you get the Spirit of truth. That's in verse 17. And notice, he is going to dwell with you and will be in you. That's what it says in verse 17. So these greater works that the Spirit brings comes because just as Jesus is the truth, now the Spirit of truth dwells with us and is in us. And then in verse 25, it teaches us that the Spirit of God, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Spirit of God is with us, he's in us, and he teaches us, and he brings to our remembrance all the things that Jesus taught us. This is how the greater works happen. Because God doesn't say, listen, okay, believe in me, and good luck, go. He doesn't do that. He says, listen, I want you to believe in me, and you're going to do greater works, and I'm going to give you the third person of the Trinity, 
God the Spirit, and he is going to come, he's going to indwell you just the way the Father and the Son are one and united. Now through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, now the Spirit will be with you, in you, the truth abides in you and teaches you internally and reminds us of all the things that Jesus said. That's straight up really cool, isn't it? You and I, because of our belief in Jesus, now have the third person of the Trinity living within us, pulling out the truth out of our, the depths of our being, reminding us internally of what the teachings of Jesus are and who we are. And because of these things, Jesus says, greater work than these he will do because I go to the Father. So what's this greater work? Do you ever wonder what that means? I think the greater work has a lot to do with Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Listen to what the, listen to what Jesus says. He says, assuredly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Now, you hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived, who was born of women, John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. It's a crazy statement, right? See, what Jesus is saying is that the reason the least in God's kingdom is greater than the greatest man who ever lived is because John's ministry began and ended before Jesus died on the cross and rose again and ascended to heaven and poured out his spirit. See, John the Baptist was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, the absolute greatest. There was no man greater than John the Baptist. Jesus is saying, listen, but the least person in my kingdom, the last one in line, the lowest on the totem pole, so to speak, is greater than the greatest men who have lived before. Why? Because they're going to live in the fullness of the kingdom. The fullness of the reality that Jesus has lived the perfect life. He did die on a cross. He did rise again, and he ascended into heaven. And because Jesus goes to the Father and he ascends to heaven, then the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. How many of you remember that old, the Apostles' Creed? The Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. That comes right out of John chapter 14. The Father will send him in what? In my name. All through this section, Jesus talks about, and you will... And whatever, verse 13, you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then we hear a little bit later who the Father will send in my name. Now, what does it mean? Does it mean that Jesus' name, J-E-S-U-S, or maybe you got a little like Hebrew leaning, so you want to call him Yeshua, if you say it the right way, or... You know, if you, it's like Jesus is like the magic, the magic name that, like, whatever coin, if you have the magic coin you put in any vending machine, you always get something out. Some people think about it that way. You, in the Bible, the name has nothing to do with the letters. The name denotes an entire nature. As I like to say, if I say Daniel Fusco, nobody thinks or shouldn't think, oh, D-A-N-I-E-L-F-U-S-C-O. If you say, someone says Daniel Fusco, hopefully you think, oh, he's that hairy guy at Crossroads, and maybe you feel a little warm and fuzzy on the inside. 
Because when you think of someone's name, you should think of their nature, who they are, how they are. And when Jesus says, whatever you pray in my name, it's not like, Lord, give me my favorite car and let the Seahawks win the Super Bowl for the next 20 years. In Jesus' name, boom, it's done. The idea is, whatever you pray that is in accordance with who I am and what I desire in the world, it's about praying along with the nature of God. And I think the reason for many of us, we struggle with not receiving the answer to our prayers is because we forget that we are not fully transformed into the image and likeness of our Savior because we're all in process. Listen, sometimes you just pray the wrong prayer, and so do I. And it's not like God is like, oh, yeah, what a train wreck. I mean, I just can't believe you would pray that. It's not like that. See, God, God realizes that we don't quite understand everything yet. And when we pray the wrong prayer, he doesn't hold it against us and make us do 25 other special prayers that someone taught us along the way to get back in his good graces. God realizes that we're kids in process. And so when we pray a prayer that isn't along lines with his will, he'll simply say, no. We don't get the answer to the prayer that we want. But I've learned that when God doesn't answer my prayers in the ways that I want him to, my job is to simply say, Lord, your ways are so much better than my ways anyway. So I'm down with what you're given, as opposed to what I think I want, Lord. Now, real quickly before we move on, I don't want you to miss, I always try and point these out when we see them, because there's a lot of people who struggle with the doctrine of the Trinity, that there's one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Right? There's churches here in Clark County, they, do, they don't believe that. And so, and some people say, well, the, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, which is absolutely true. You won't find Trinity anywhere. That's a theological term to explain a concept that is everywhere in your Bible. So if you don't like the word Trinity, just say God, the God of the Bible, and that means the triune God. But look at verse 16, because you have the Trinity in miniature in one little verse. And I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, notice all three persons of the Trinity are in interaction, in relationship here. I will pray the Father and he will give you the helper, the parakletos, the advocate, the comforter. It means all these different words. That's the Trinity in miniature. Anytime you find, it's like at Jesus' baptism where Jesus is baptized and the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit comes down. Every time you see those, you have to make a, a mental note of where that is because someone will be like, oh, how can you believe in the Trinity? I'm like, well, what about right here? Jesus is praying to the Father to send the Spirit and then the Spirit of truth, I'm the truth. You know, it all fits together. And the reason theologians came up with the doctrine of the Trinity, of course, is because they were trying to grapple with how do we explain what this thing means? Who is God? And the Bible reveals that there is one God and that God reveals himself to humanity in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, look at what happens next. Verse 19. He says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Now, the concept of these verses is beautiful. It teaches us that you love God by obeying. You love God by obeying. That's how you show God that you love him. By being obedient to God's word. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word obedience, I just kind of get rebellious by nature. Right? You hear, do the right thing. And you're like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right? And that's because we're all a bunch of rebels. But over and over and over again here, what we find is that Jesus is saying, look, this is how my love is revealed. Look at what it says. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And notice another disciple pops up, Judas, not Iscariot, says, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. Notice, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. Now, you know why this is important? Because if you love somebody, you love them enough not to want to break their heart. That's one aspect of real love, is loving somebody enough not to want to hurt them. So I love my wife, Lynn. I love her. She's an amazing gal. I'm, man, I am blessed. I mean, they invented the phrase marrying up for my wife and I. I always tell her, I'm like, if I married up, that means you're slumming it, sweetie. You know, and she's just like, she doesn't even know what that means, and neither do you, so it's good. Anyway, you know, I, I'm, I'm married up. And so, like, my wife, right, she can't eat flour. She doesn't eat flour, right? So if I love my wife and I want to bless her, do I make her, like, do I just carb her out? Like, just be like, hey, I got fresh baked bread, and I made you some cookies. If I want to bless my wife, is that what I do? No, she can't eat it. I bless myself if I do that. It's more for me, you know? See, if you love somebody, you want to honor them. You want to bless them. And God's saying, listen, if you love me, then do the things I'm asking you to do. Because part of loving me is not wanting to break my heart. The Apostle John, later in his ministry, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and verse 3, it says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and when we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That's 1 John verse 2 and verse 3. His commandments are not burdensome. We love God and we keep his commandments. So I ask you today, I ask you today, are you loving God by obeying his word? Now, you know what the answer to that is for all of us? The answer is I love God and I'm not keeping his word in totality. And that's true for all of us. And whatever the area of disobedience that you find in your heart, you need to just bring it to the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm sorry, help me. Forgive me. Empower me. 
Because all of us have growing edges. There's not one person in here except Jesus himself who has got it all dialed in. All the rest of us, we're all in process. And we all have areas of disobedience. There's not one of us. And that's why we're all in this together. Every single human being has areas where they need to grow, where they need to change, areas where just for whatever reason, you're just not good at that area. You just want to just go the other way. God says, stop and you run. God says, walk and you jump up and down. You know, it's like, it's, we're just, all of us are that way. But whatever the area is, you got to bring it out into the open. Confess it to the Lord. Confess it to the, the people around you and say, listen, I really struggle in obeying the Lord here. Because when we acknowledge it and bring it out into the open and we confess it to the Lord, not only is he faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, but he will empower us to take simple steps to change. We love God by being obedient. And the Holy Spirit is there to empower us to be obedient children as opposed to rebellious children. Now, look at how this chapter ends. Picking up in verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do arise, let us go from here. This teaches us that peace comes through believing. Peace comes through believing. Look at what he says, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, Jesus is saying, look, I want to give you peace. And that word in the Hebrew is the word shalom, which literally means wholeness, completeness, health, security, flourishing, prosperity in its best sense, not in its materialistic, self-centered sense but the fullness of human flourishing. He's like, look, I want to give it to you. Not as the world gives, but I want to give it to you. And then notice what he says. He says, don't be afraid, but not your heart be troubled. Verse 29. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Peace comes through believing. My friends, I want to leave you with this. Jesus is not asking us to believe in just anything. Just any old belief is good. He's saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he's saying, I'm God with skin on. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he goes on to say, listen, you're going to do greater works than I ever did because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is going to bring you those works, and I want you to be obedient. You show me that you love me by your obedience. And he says, I want you to believe all that. And when you believe that, my peace, total, complete human flourishing will be the byproduct. 
Today we heard that if we love God, we'll keep His commandments. His ways are better than ours, and He gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. We couldn't possibly obey it in totality, which is why Jesus gave His life in order to save us. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel teaches about what Jesus meant when he referred to himself as the vine. This statement has been misunderstood by many. We'll consider his intention. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.